I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 66. Today in the show, Dan and I are kicking back, talking deer, and discussing our hopes and dreams for the upcoming season. So here we go. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. This is episode number 66, and as I just mentioned a few seconds ago, today I want to throw back to an episode we did about one year ago, where we talked about our goals, hopes, and hit lists for 2014, and I want to do the exact same thing for this year. So it's just me and Dan, and uh, we're going to catch up, we're going to talk about the season that is just a matter of weeks away, and I think it's going to be fun. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> just opened a Coors Light because I, like I need it. it. I like it. I, I just opened a Bud Light just before we started recording, so I think we're on the same page. Good, good. I'm ready to. Uh, I'm ready to talk deer. I didn't get my fix today yet, so I'm ready to talk about the past, the present, and the future. Yeah, and I'm excited. You know, we've had some great guests this past couple weeks and months, but I'm excited to just have it be the two of us, just to kind of bullshit, catch up relax a little bit, talk about what we're excited about. I think there's a lot we have to catch up on. Yeah. Um, so, and in general, you know, as we usually are, I'm getting stoked, especially stoked, because as of last night around 10 p.m. Eastern time, I'm back in Michigan, back in the Midwest, and it's time to hunt some whitetails, or at least time to get ready to hunt some whitetails. So, Start the process. Have, have you been shooting your bow while you were out in Idaho? I have, um, but not as much as I usually do. Um, I brought my bow out there and a couple arrows and a little tiny um, Reinhardt kind of circle target. I don't know what to call it, but um, not as much as I usually do. So I actually just today went and bought a, a new target, a bigger target, um, because my, my usual big block target's all blown through from the past couple of years, and I've been needing to upgrade. So I bought one of those Reinhardt 18-in-1s, um, so we're going to try that out, and then I think... I'm gonna buy a new 3D target too. So they didn't don't have buy one. the one. Don't buy the one I bought. I know. I uh, it takes arrows really well, but it pisses me off because you, you put three arrows in it 
and it lo- the legs come apart from the body. The legs come off, the antlers come off, the ears come off. Um, I, I had the same one. I still have the same one, but after I used it for like a year, year and a half maybe, I just put it in the garage, and I've rarely taken it out since. Yeah. I might uh, like blow it up or something just to do something cool with it. Be a cool video. Yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah, I want to get a new 3D. Again, I'm I'm leaning towards, you know, I I've no I don't really have a favorite Target brand. I've tried a bunch. I've tried uh Morel, I think is the brand. I've tried uh whoever makes the Glendale and I tried the Block and I've tried Reinhardt. Um I'm I'm kind of leaning towards sticking with Reinhardt right now just cuz from everything I hear they last the longest. Yeah. Um so that's what I bought. Like I said, I bought the 18 and one. I'm going to try that out. And so right now I'm debating what 3d one to buy. I'm leaning towards the Reinhardt. Um, but I'm still not for sure on that. So we'll see in the next week or so. I'll, I'll figure it out. Good luck with your decision making. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I could, you, if someone saw me today, they would know that I must have been, what's the right word coming off of like whitetail deprivation because, <laughs> I, I couldn't get any work done today, and so I was like, I need to go just buy some shit. So I went. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna go to Cabela's, but I ended up not having time um, because I had to get back for this. So I went to Gander Mountain, and I bought a new target. I got new arrows. I got new broadheads. I bought some Senaway and some nose jammer and some attractant to bring down to my Ohio property, put in front of some trail cameras and a whole bunch of crap like that. So I, I dropped a few hundred bucks tonight just uh, to get my whitetail fix. <laughs> I feel like that's all I've been doing this year is buying stuff. Like, especially for the Idaho trip, because I didn't have any of that stuff that I needed, you know, for the, the backpacking up into the mountains, spend, yeah. you know, six days type of trip. But like, even this year, I bought some broadheads, I bought a Target, I bought, um, oh, what else? That like a new string, you know, all those that, you know, mineral batteries for your trail camera, all that st- stuff starts adding up. And next thing you know, you're like, holy shit, what happened to the savings account that I have specifically for this? Yeah. My, uh, the other day, my wife and I went through our finances and we were going through trying to figure out, you know, you know, all the stuff that we got to figure out. It's, it's especially unique for me since I don't get a steady paycheck, you know, I just kind of have periodic lumps of money coming in. And so um, I was trying to kind of figure all that all out and figure out how much money we had left for the year and how much more is going to come in, et cetera. And as we're going through that, I pulled up my um, checking account transactions and we went, we were go, I was going through it line by line, just trying to see how much am I averaging a month spending on stuff. When I pulled out all the bills and then, you know, looked at just miscellaneous expenses, I won't say the dollar amount per month, but the dollar amount made my wife say, like, what the hell are you buying? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what in – how do you spend that much money on nothing every month? And it's like, you know, a Coke here, McDonald's there, a DVD, a book. There's like little tiny little things that just add up to a bunch of money every month. Um, So basically I'm going broke because I'm buying too much McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey man, maybe I will be equal with you, even though you spent all that time in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, I, I weighed myself last night when I got home, and I am exactly what I weighed when I left. So, well, maybe you lost lost some fat, but put like muscle on your legs. Yeah, I hope so. I, I know for sure. I mean, I, I definitely. I'm, I'm whether or not I weighed differently. I'm definitely in better shape. Yeah, um, like from what I was handling at the beginning of the trip to what I'm handling at the end of the trip. 
much, much better. So uh, I feel I'm feeling very good for what we'll be doing up in the mountains as far as uh, physically being able to handle it. So I bought uh, one of those training masks. Mm-hmm. You, it restricts it, your breathing, basically, so it's harder to breathe in and, and exhale as well. Obviously, it can't simulate the thin air, but um, it's it really does work your lungs. Is that the thing that makes you look like Bane from Batman? Yep, yep that's right. That is B.A. Like I, I want one of those just to walk around the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, I, I had one, out and I was on the treadmill at uh, the gym at work, and a lady came in, and she was surprised and looked at me like, okay, is this guy going to do a mass shooting, <laughs> or is he just going to run on the treadmill? So. I, I think you're scary even without the mask, so I can't imagine <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what you looked like with that thing on. <laughs> Oh man! So, uh, so we're both excited about deer hunting, right. and we got a lot of stuff to talk about with deer hunting. And I, I'm all of a sudden having all sorts of deer hunting related things happening in, in this week and next week because I've been gone the past two months. So, I've got a couple exciting updates to share with you. I want you to start at on your way back from Idaho. You stopped in I- Iowa, right? I did, and you tried to access some ground, public, yeah. private. I want to hear about that. Yeah, so, you know, as we've talked about, I drew an Iowa tag this year, but I have nowhere to hunt in Iowa. So my plan, like you just said, was on our way home from Idaho, because we left uh, we left Friday, last Friday, did a backpacking trip, camped a few places. Excuse me, I've got the Bud Light burps over here. Um, on the way back, we were going to stop in Iowa. I was going to knock on doors and try to get someone to give me permission to hunt this fall. So... To set the stage, over the past couple months, um, I've been doing research, trying to put together a list of properties that I wanted to ask. Um, and I was greatly aided by one of my friends who lives out there. i got to give him props um, because in this general area where I hunt, where a bunch of my friends hunt, um, he's gotten to know a lot of the people around there and just kind of knew a bunch of properties that would be worth asking. So he's been sending me names, so-and-so, he's like, you, should, you should ask this guy, you should ask this gal, etc. So I've slowly been accumulating a list of names that would be worth looking into. Um, and then between those names and then doing some research on my own, um, you know, I've been going, taking these names, going onto the county GIS maps, which show you, you know, shows you the property, like a satellite view, and then it outlines the parcel borders for every property, and then you can click on each property and see who the, who owns it, what their home address is, all that stuff. So I was able to do that for all these names I'd been accumulating. So I ended up arriving in Iowa with a list of, I think, 11 or 12 properties that were high on my list that I want to check out. And by the end of it, by the end of, uh, well, what, what's today? Today's Thursday. Tuesday was my big asking day. I knocked on 13 doors on Tuesday. Yeah. And I did a whole lot of driving because I had to knock on a bunch of doors multiple times because they weren't home or I kept circling around trying to wait till someone was there until I could find somewhere, walk around the barns. Um, but knocked on 13 doors, probably put know, 200 miles on my truck just driving around eastern Iowa. Um, but I have news to share about the results of those 13 door knocks. Okay. And I want I want your guess of those 13 door knocks. Do you think, well, how many yeses did I get between 0 and 13? How many yeses do you think I got? Okay, so I'm going to go based off my experience. Okay, so the worst day I ever had, I knocked on 22 doors and was told 20, no 22 times. Yeah. Okay. 
I so, know that I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of say optimistic, and I'm gonna say two. I think I got two yeses, huh? Yep, two yeses. And did I? I didn't talk to you about this yet, did I? <laughs> I might have, and I forgot about it. If possible. No, you, you didn't. Okay, I didn't think so. So, the answer is two yeses. Oh, nice. You were, you were spot on, my friend. God, I'm good. I might play the lottery tonight. You're very good, yeah. And I'm very happy about the two yeses um, because it was access to two farms that equate to 1,250 freaking acres. That's pretty good. That's incredible. As far as I'm concerned, that's incredible. So what's it look like? Are we talking a lot of ag? Or are we talking uh, fingers, big chunks of timber? Does it have it all? I'm talking like if you were to go on Whitetail Properties website and go look at like the best like $2 million farms with the big giant bucks and like all the topography and the huge fingers of timber that come out and creek bottoms and mixed in little fingers of beans and corn and everything that kind of gives you a whitetail chubby, that's what these nice. properties look like. Jeez, so you struck gold. I struck gold. I got super, super lucky. Very fortunate. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about it. But the thing is, is like, you know, I'm used to when I hunt in Michigan or Ohio, these other spots, like there's so many more people, you know, back east yeah. that the properties are all broken up into much smaller parcels. So, right. you know, almost all the farms around here are 40s or 80s. You know, a big farm, like a 160-acre farm out here is a big farm in Michigan. Yeah. So whenever I've gotten permission in the past, it's been 20 acres, 40 acres, 80 acres, 90 acres. Um, I've never gotten permission on something this big. Um, so I'm, you know, this is slightly new for me because I'm used to getting a hundred acre property and saying, okay, I got to figure out this 100 acres. And then I figure it out, scout it out, figure out how to hunt it. But now I'm saying, okay, so this farm's got 700 and this farm's got 500. Where the heck do I start? So the good, the good thing about this is though, is you can only hunt so many acres of that, yeah. right? You're not going to hunt in the middle of an egg field. So don't think of it as, you know, 1,200 acres or however many. Think of it as, you know, 200 acres, and that's where you have to focus on. Yeah, and, and there's definitely – there's a lot of huntable ground. Um, it, I got I, – I lucked out. I, like I said, I mean, just super lucked out. This isn't one of those – these aren't these farms that are like 90% ag ground and just a little corner of timber. I mean, it, it's like they – both of them are just like kind of like the – picture perfect type of farm if i could say you know if i got to just choose you know out of thin air that the farm i wanted both of these two kind of are that feet those features it's just all these fingers of timber that run out and tons of little secluded fields and fingers of fields and lots of ridges and hills and water sources and all sorts of stuff so you know like you said though the key is going to be narrowing down you know what you know what's huntable and then looking at that huntable ground and then saying, okay, what's the very best of this? And then focusing my efforts there. And so that leads me to what I did Tuesday night. So I, I figure, yeah, you know the stuff, but I'll walk you through what I did just because if there's other people listening that might, you know, encounter a situation like this, maybe, maybe my experiences are helpful. So I got permission on these two farms, about 1,200 and so many acres. I got home that night, not home, but back to the campground. We camped out there. We went to McDonald's where I could get Wi-Fi access, and I pulled up the GIS maps for each property so I could see the, the borders, and then I pulled up Google Earth, and then I pulled up mytopo.com. 
and between these tools online, Google Earth will show me the satellite imagery and like a 3D rendering of the property so you can zoom in, zoom out, fly across your property, drop down to like a pers perspective of like I'm standing at the bottom of the creek and I can look up and see all the hills around me. Um, that gives me a great idea of, of the lay of the land. And then with mytopo.com, you can get free topographic maps, um, which you know I could then very clearly see the contour lines, where the ridges are, where the valleys are, where the saddles are, all that stuff. And what I did is I compared those three maps, the satellite, Google Earth, parcel borders, and topo. I guess it's four. And I could then, you know, really get a good idea of both these properties. And then I started, like, crossing sections off. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to this section. I'm not going to pay attention to this section. I'm going to, you know, like you just said, I'm going to cross off the big fields. Um, and I kind of narrowed down each farm to a core area that I was the most interested in. I studied that all night. Then I woke up really early Wednesday morning, so yesterday morning, since we're recording this on Thursday, which, speaking of, apologies to all the listeners for the late episode this week, but I didn't get home till really late last night, so we just weren't able to do it. But Wednesday morning, I headed out at like 6 in the morning to the first farm, and I walked, you know, the, the sections that I was most interested in based on the maps. I walked all through there, and it's just gorgeous. I mean, big fingers of timber. Rolling hills, deep creek bottoms, lots of deer sign. Um, now, one thing to note is on both of these farms, I'm not the only guy that hunts them. Um, so there's definitely other hunters out there. I think one guy said there was three to five other guys out there in general that he, I think, roughly around there. And the other farm, I think it was similar. But they said they were mostly shotgun hunters. Yeah. Um, so I know I'm likely to encounter, you know, pressure in other hunters, and I'm going to have to adjust to that. Um, but given the fact that these farms are so big compared to what I'm used to in Michigan, that's pr probably low pressure on, you know, on 500 acres in Michigan, I'm probably dealing with like 12 hunters. So it'll Did be okay. Any tree stands? I saw two on each. Two on each. So that's, I, I consider that very minimal. Um, yeah. Now I didn't walk every square inch. I, you know, there's tons of ground that I didn't see. So there's probably more. Um, I'm sure there's more, uh, but you know, the fact that what I did walk, I only saw two, I was I was decently happy with that. So I walked both farms as much as I could. I wore myself out, ex very exhausted. Um, tons of ups and downs, steep hills, cliffs, rivers, creeks, all the stuff. Um, bumped some deer. I bumped one deer that I didn't see, but he just, you know, you don't even hear a big buck bouncing away. You just know it's a big buck. It's almost like you can feel and hit the ground. Yes, it's the feeling. You feel yeah. the the. the the impact I, I had one of those and it was like bedded in like a stereotypical prototypical buck bed like i was walking and i'm like there's got to be bucks bedded on this and then boom ba boom ba boom so that was good um and you know in general just i liked both properties a lot i got you know i had a very limited amount of time to scout them because we had to take off by like one o'clock in the afternoon in order to get home last night at the you know we were trying to record last night so i was trying to get home in time for that um, so I just had a few hours on both properties, but what I saw was very encouraging. Um, and from what I know, I, from uh, the people, some of the people I know out there, there's there's good history on both properties or right around both properties. Um, some very good deer have been taken around both of them. So I'm feeling good, Dan. Did you drop any trail cameras? Yes, I put one trail camera on each. Good. good. Um, Mineral, like a bag of corn or something like that? Yep. I put out... Um, Oh, what did I put out? Um, put out a trophy rock and then this big and J like liquid attractant on each of them. Gotcha. 
because uh, I was easily packed in. So, yeah, hopefully I'll get a little bit of intel when I come back in October or check those out. And um, here's my question for you, Dan. Yeah. And, I, and I've got a strong opinion on this, but you're going to tell me. Um, I think that even though I'm not going to be able to check these pictures until October, I feel like they should be eligible for our trail camera contest. So you're saying then Hardhorn, too. Well, we're going to do just Velvet, right? Right. That so, was the that was the original. If yeah. you want yeah, I mean, if it counts. So we, so I'm just saying can can we wait until I check those cameras to look at the velvet pictures I'm going to have in August? Right, right. I can't, you know, I I won't be able to wear uh, a Michigan state hat until uh, the rut vacation anyway. So Yeah. Uh yeah, we'll 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 allow it. All right, very good. Then I I feel I feel better about my chances by a little bit at least. Good. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like you got a lot of coverage. Yeah, I w- you know, I wish I you know, had like 10 cameras to put out there because I bet you I would have got some big ones for sure on camera if I put a bunch of cameras out there. But, right. you know, I just had to throw one up in, you know, a spot I thought would be decent in the, you know, two hours I got to walk the property. And since I know there's other guys on these properties, but I just don't know who they are and stuff, I was worried about putting them out, you know, in the open at all. So, yeah. They're in spots kind of tucked away that maybe wouldn't be the place I would usually put a camera, but I just wanted to put somewhere in, in a half-decent place, but also somewhere where I didn't think anyone would see it. So, Right. And unless there is a truly hardcore hunter like another one of us out there, you know, most of the guys, they go out and they, they'll hang their stands a week before the season starts if they're, if they're in fact, bow hunters. Yeah. You know, shotgun hunters, they have their stands out there all year round or they do their drives, you'll be out of there by then. And, uh, and you know, so you're probably, so here's the question to you, because you're going to be going to Ohio as well. Are you going to, depending on what, I guess a lot of it has to do with your trail cameras and what they produce, but are you going to be spending more time in Iowa or more time in Ohio? Um, well, if it's okay, I'm going to defer from answering that in detail until we get a little further in the episode when I want to actually talk about the detailed plans, but I will say just in general, I'm planning on probably splitting it half and half. Um, and, and what's really going to take the, um, the hit is going to be Michigan. I'm not going to hunt Michigan a whole lot. Um, I'm just going to bounce between Ohio and Iowa as much as I can without my wife divorcing me. (laughs) Um, and then I'll swing back into Michigan whenever I have to. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's kind of the game plan. Right. And then like you said, trail cameras will play a partner too. I mean, if I, if, if I'm down in Ohio opening weekend and you know, Glenn is showing up in daylight every single day and every time I go down there after that, he's just all over the place. I'll probably continue focusing on that, but you know, we'll just have to see what happens. Right. And it's hard. It's going to be difficult, especially if, uh, Ohio, uh, or you, you know, in Iowa, you pull your card, there's giants on it. And then you're also in Ohio, which is also another producer of giants. It's how do you know when to go type of thing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough call. I mean, I've got, I've got a basic game plan in place, which we'll, we'll discuss in a couple of minutes that I think is my, like my framework for the season and my plans. Um, but then I'm, I'm definitely going to let weather and trail cameras lead me in, in either way. So I'll probably be chasing weather fronts. It'll be a big part of what I'll be doing. If a big cold front's in Ohio, in Iowa, 
I'm going to drive six hours and hunt the cold front there. And then if it's hitting Ohio three days later, I'll pack up in Iowa and shoot on down to Ohio. And, you know, we'll see. It'll does, your, be... uh, does your plan involve buying something expensive for your wife? <laughs> Many times. And, <laughs> and of high monetary value. <laughs> and lots, that sparkles. <laughs> and lots of wine. That's right. So uh, luckily I've got a very understanding wife. So right, right. I can do that. But – uh. That's my Iowa story. Good. Well, best of luck. Um, Thank you. I kind of hope you don't have any big bucks on your trail cameras. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of trail cameras, what about your Michigan card pull? Yeah, I'm kind of full of of, uh, interesting updates today, finally. So, like I said, last night I got in really late. I had to unpack the car a little bit. And um, I tried to go to bed, but I couldn't go to sleep. It was, like, full of adrenaline from, like, just getting in the house and not being here for two months. So I'm laying there in bed at, like, 1030 at night. And I'm not going to sleep. And I'm like, uh, hey, Kylie, you care if I go check my trail cameras? <laughs> <laughs> so at, like, 11 o'clock at night, I went to go check trail cameras on one of my properties. And I was going to take my four-wheeler out there, but my four-wheeler wouldn't start. The battery died while I was gone. So then I was like, well, it's going to be a pain in the butt driving away or walking way back there. But... At this point, I'd already kind of committed enough. I was wearing my boots, and I brought a headlamp out, so damn it, I was going. So I went trekking all the way back through these couple properties and um, checked, pulled two camera cards. It was kind of a debacle. When I went that, went out there, I found out my food plots, which had been sprayed a couple times before I left. Well, they were really growing up, so they are a mess. Um, but got the cards, took them home, checked them last night. And I'm going to ask your guests again here, Dan. Okay. How many, th- <laughs> how many three-year-olds or older do you think I got on camera? Based off the last time that you checked <laughs> your trail cameras, I think you said there was one maybe three-and-a-half-year-old. So this time I'm going to just go with zero. Yeah, that's a good guess. I think I've got <laughs> – not much better than that. I've got two maybe three-year-olds. <laughs> Wow. I think I think two or three year olds, um, and actually I should take that back. I think there's three that are three year olds, but one of them is like a really funky buck. He's like a his antlers. He, he's not got much going on in the antler department, but he's got a big body, and his horns are heavy. But they're, it's like a six pointer, like kind of looks like a forky. Yeah. But there's three of them. Well, there's two forks and that little tiny brow tines, but he, massive, like big heavy. And tight and tall, um, but he's got a big Roddy. So I think he's probably three. Um, and then there's an eight pointer who, you know, it's not like a, it's nothing that gets you excited in Iowa, but he's a half decent eight pointer in Michigan. Um, probably a three year old, maybe 115 ish, maybe a little higher. Um, and then there's a nine pointer who's pretty wide. He's probably 17 inches wide, maybe. Um, not a ton of time length, but decent bit, nice brow tine. So he's probably, he's my best buck. He's probably three. Um, he might be pushing one somewhere in the one twenties. I don't know. So nothing that's, you know, going to get your average big buck hunter, but for Michigan, it's, it's, uh, kind of what you expect on most places. You know, what's cool, kind of cool about that though, is you have options and, you know, granted you can't hunt Iowa or Ohio every day of the season. But you can focus on maybe killing some does on your property and say to yourself, you know what? I am not going to kill a buck 
this year from what, you know, obviously unless the slob walks out, I'm just going to let them all go. And therefore you've done your part in saying, I'm, you know, I'm not going to kill an immature deer. Yeah. And I'm definitely my, my main goal right now, unless a, a super giant buck shows up or a definite older mature buck shows up is going to be trying to bring down the doe population. I think we've talked about it before. Um, yeah. but there's a lot of does on this farm. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm not seeing as many mature bucks the last couple of years is because I think the doe population keeps getting out of hand and, uh, I've been trying to do my part, but obviously not enough. So, um, I'm probably gonna be focusing on does, but, uh, to be honest, you know, here in Michigan, a three-year-old is still a uh, top 10% deer, most any yeah. properties. So if I get a crack at one of the better three-year-olds, I would take it because in Michigan, that's something that's, that's, um, a good deer still. So. That said, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, investing tons and tons of time and obsessing over one of them. And I, I gladly see those bucks make it to another year too. But man, I'm just so was so disappointed last year. I had th- two three year olds who would would have been really great this year. Um, I was in Michigan at least. I was excited yeah. for those two to make it through, and and they didn't. So that's how it goes, though. Yep. Part of it, you know, I'm. I was, I was nervous there. I think we talked about it a little bit, but I was nervous there for a while. Um, I only had two mature bucks show up on my trail cameras and for the the area that I hunt, um, that's, that's so, so, you know, it's like, yeah, I do have some mature bucks to chase, but you know, the last two seasons, three seasons that I've had them on trail camera, they tend to stay nocturnal through the entire season or they go to a different property where I'd never see them. So I was a little relieved when I pulled my trail camera, what, like two or three weeks ago and got like several big boys back. Yeah. So I was, uh, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, no, that was an awesome trail camera pull. You've got, uh, I'd say you've got a good set of bucks to go after now. Right. So here's, here's some guy contacts me on Facebook and says, are you sure that buck you're calling Mark Kenyon is actually Mark Kenyon? I got a similar message. Yep. And uh, he, it's probably the same guy. I'm sure and it was, yeah. So he shows me a picture of this buck on a different property, obviously. And I go, well, that could be him. They, The other property, they call him something different. But, uh, um, but that left side looks so much like Mark Kenyon, just without the junk around the brow tines. And that's it. Does the I, I didn't see the picture that this other guy had. Does that yeah. picture really look like him? It, it kind of does. I mean, it, it looks it looks a little bigger um, than Mark Kenyon was last year, but his antlers look spindlier, like they're smaller. So it's like he put on a ton of tine length, but the mass kind of went away. Which historically, the year you found his sheds, and last year he's all mass. Yeah. Um, you gotta send that picture to me after after this. I want to see that. Yeah. So here here's a question, and this is kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but just out of curiosity, really quick here. Who would you rather kill, Mark Kenyon, or Ryan Iberg? Ryan's older body deer, more history. Yep. Mark Kenyon probably is better antler deer. Plus, there's there's history too. Just between right. those two, who would you rather kill? Well, if it's just between those two, I'd I'd really, gosh, I don't know. There's there's history with both, but I guess Ryan Iberg has, I, I mean, 
the guy that was in the tree with me for four years, and then I filmed him for all of last year. Um, he found two sets of his sheds. I found one of his antlers, you know, several trail camera pictures of him just doesn't cooperate during the season. I, I've seen him one time from the tree stand and it was like at 65 yards right at last light. Um, so, you know, I would have to, it, it, that's tough because I, if any one of them walked by, I'd shoot him. But it, I would, if I had, if I had one wish, it would probably, it would probably be Ryan Eiberg. He's yeah. a, his, he has a gigantic body and he's so wide. He's probably 23 inches inside. I can't blame you. That's but, an awesome buck. But I have a, another buck I, I call Tupac that he's a, he's a giant 10 pointer and I shot him two years ago and never recovered him. And he's very noticeable because he's got a gigantic scar on his back where my arrow hit him, right? And this year, he's back again for the third year in a row. And I would, out of all the deer, I would love to kill him the most because I've, you know, failed once. I'd like to get him. I'd like to get him again. Yeah, I can understand that desire for sure. Um, So I guess since we're talking about this, Let's let's jump right to it. His hit list here, because um, you know where where I want to go now is I want to talk through our hit lists that we have so far. I want to talk through our plans for the season, you know, in detail, and then our goals for the year in general. So, since we already talked about your bucks a little bit, what else do we need to know about the bucks that you are hunting this fall? You told us a little bit about Tupac, a little bit about Ryan, a little about Mark. Anything more that's worth sharing, and what other bucks do you think you're going to be targeting? Well, it's it's hard to tell right now. I've only checked my trail cameras two times since May, so I mean, I just am I I am not getting the time I would like to go out and check trail cameras. Um, I might get I might try to squeeze out and go check them again this weekend. Um, the river. It's, we've had so much rain in Iowa, these creeks are flooding. And one of my main trail camera areas has been underwater the entire time. So I don't really want to waste mineral and dump it down there just so it gets covered up in mud, you know, or have the potential for the trail camera to get wet and flood. But I just, I feel like I'm behind this year. I, in, in two weeks, I'm going to set up trail cam or uh, tree stands. And I get, you know, you got two kids. One of them's a baby. One of them's a crazy toddler. And it's just, I feel like I'm behind. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get, you know, seven tree stands hung and trimmed out in two weekends or the weekend that I do get a go. So I'm going to have to rely on a couple running gun sets to, you know, go in there for the first time, set it up and then, and then back, you know, hunt it once and then back out and probably not hunt it until the rut. But as far as bucks are concerned, you know, there's Tupac, he's the 10 I hit, but never found. There's Ryan Iberg, he's just a gigantic wide eight. There's Dork, he's a really tight, tons of mass, um, eight pointer with split brows. And then um, there's Mark Kenyon, and there's a, and then there's one I'm calling Ventura. He's gonna be a mainframe 11 pointer. Um, he looks like he's a four-year-old. I'm debating on whether or not um, – I actually have trail camera pictures of him last year um, with another buck. So 
he, his body was definitely a three-year-old last year. And then um, there's only one other buck as of right now that I've have that I have pictures of, and that's uh, um, a buck Ryan passed last year as a three-year-old. He's going to be a four-year-old, maybe a five-year-old this year, uh, and he's just gotten he's he's all main beam. They go straight up, and then they kind of come out, and it's like they go out of his head at a V, and then they go straight forward. And then they have just really small little tines. So he looks gigantic head on, but then you turn and he's really tall. He's really, but he's got really small antlers or uh, uh, like G1s and G2s and G3s. And then hopefully, you know, like last year, about the second, third week in October, uh, No Show Jones shows up and he's that uh, 180 class that Ryan missed last year. Yeah, that's the one I was curious about. I right. was wondering no if no pictures would... of him yet. No word about him from anyone either? Nope. Um, you know, I would like to say that someone would have note, you know, noticed him or would have you, – you would have heard about if a big buck was shot this year uh, in the surrounding area. But – and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but big deer get shot around that area every year and people just consider it normal. You know what I mean? So yeah. – Maybe I wouldn't have heard about it. You know, I did talk to the landowner this year, and she said that the shotgun hunters had a good year. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So of all those bucks you've got, right? is Tupac still number one of all those, or would No-Show Jones take the cake? Or who's number one? How about this? Rank rank your hit list for me, Dan. Well— no show Jones, if he jumped the same amount of inches that he did last year or um, 2013 to 2014, and if he jumps again that same size from 2014 to 2015, we're talking a potential 200 incher, definitely 190s. So, yeah, I'd love to chase and get an opportunity at him, and he's he's been on the same path for two years in a row. So, you know. You know, I put my time in in these certain spots. I might get a crack at him. Um, he's he would uh, then he would be number one. Number two would be Tupac probably. Number three would be Ryan Iberg, and then number four would be Mark Kenyon. And then, but you know, that's all hypothetical. All these deer are, are shooters, and the first one that walks by my stand will potentially get an arrow. So, all right. So let me throw another hypothetical at you. All right. Let's say you're hunting, it's uh, it's November, okay. and you have been seeing Tupac or No Show Jones, one of those two. Right. You've been seeing them, like, repeatedly. Like, let's say you've had three encounters with each, but always just out of range. But they're, right. they're in the area a lot. And then you've got, like, your number five buck or number six buck or number four buck show up at 20 yards. Even though you've been seeing No Show and Tupac like consistently like the last three days in a row, they've been there. You're almost on them. You're so close. You think you're going to steal the deal at any moment, and then number five shows up. What do you do? Well, if he's number five, that means he's mature and he's made the hit list, right? So here's here's what's happened. I've I've realized the past couple of years. I've I've been buck specific um, the past. I'm going to say maybe four or five years, and. I've passed some bucks that 
even for Iowa would be good, you know? And I don't want to say I regret it, but I, I have all these memories and awesome encounters, but I don't have the period at the end of the sentence. So this year I am going to shoot, whether it's October 1st or January 10th, I'm going to shoot a mature, if it's in front of me and it's mature, I don't really care what the antlers look like. It will more than likely get uh, get a get an arrow at it. Well, I think that's a pretty good goal. Is yeah. your is your definition of mature five and a half? Well, it's it's probably it's four. It's always it's always been four, but um, I really haven't had to make it a decision. I mean, I tell you what, in two thousand eleven or twelve. I passed a 150-inch 10-pointer four-year-old. And I look back at the footage a while ago, and I'm like, why did I – what? It was, it, was the, it was the year I was chasing shipwreck. But the wasn't he be- already dead? No, it was the year after – before I shot shipwreck. Gotcha. So I passed him after already having an encounter with shipwreck, right? Thinking this shipwreck is going to – you know, I'm going to get another crack at him that year. I didn't. So I passed uh, the biggest buck I ever would have killed at three yards. Wow. And you've probably seen that footage. Yep. I posted it to Facebook. But, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's hard, you know. And it's one of those things where, you know, 150-inch, if, if you play your cards right in the areas that, you know, especially where I hunt, you're going to get an encounter with a four-year-old 150-class buck. If you put your time in, you're gonna, it's going to happen. So I don't know, man. I, I don't want to say anything's for certain because it could be how I'm feeling the day, the day it does happen. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. What about what, – what what what's your goal for Iowa or Ohio this year? So, so goals, so goals for Ohio and Iowa, um, in Iowa, the top goal is to shoot a four-year-old. Okay. I want to, I mean, plain and simple, you know, when it comes to a hunt like that, that's pretty far away from home on brand new properties, you know, I have no idea what's out there. I don't know the properties at all. I'm competing with other hunters. Um, if I can leave the state of Iowa with my tag around a four-year-old or better, I'm going to be pretty happy. Right. Um, I probably, you know, would walk into the beginning of the season in Iowa, probably with like a 140 inch minimum in Iowa, I'd say, um, where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give it time. I'm not going to rush. You know, if there's a buck that's 125, that could be a four year old, but I'm not sure kind of iffy. I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely get into the rut. I'm going to hunt the rut hard. I'm going to be there. Um, we'll kind of, you know, I'll bounce around here a little bit. You know, let me take a step back, actually, and first explain to you kind of my plan here, and then I'll jump back to the goals for those states. But so my kind of my tentative plan right now, Dan, is, you know, I've got, well, this could get really complicated, but I've got a whole bunch of hunts going on in September. We can talk about in a minute. Um, but when I get back, will be just after Ohio opens. So I'm going to try to go to Ohio as soon as I can. And then as soon as I'm done in Ohio, come home for a weekend, do some hunts with my family, 
try to kill some does in Michigan. And then somewhere in mid-October-ish, I'm going to try to get to Iowa. And my goal for that is just to check those trail cameras, hang a couple stands, and try to observe those two properties just a little bit, just to learn them a little bit. And, hey, if I happen to be, you know, happen to get a shot at a deer, great. But it's more so just trying to learn that property a little bit more. Um, so like I, like I was just saying, I'm not going to rush it and, and shoot something that, you know, definitely doesn't um, fit the criteria of what I'm trying to do there in Iowa. Because, you know, three years ago, I think, is when I first hunted in Iowa. And at that point, you know, I hadn't shot a whole bunch of mature deer. So when I got a chance at what I thought was a good three- or four-year-old decent buck, you know, I shot him. And it wasn't by any means a giant Iowa buck. But it was a, it was a nice deer. It was a deer that made me happy. So I took him. This year, now that I'm going back, I'm much more interested in waiting it out, putting in the time, and, and uh, being picky. So definitely want a four-year-old, but for the first month or two of the season, October and all the way in November, I'm probably going to be pretty darn picky. Um, I think the potential out there um, is enough that if I hunt smart and I take my time, I've got a chance at a, you know, maybe my biggest buck ever. So I'm going to try to do that. And hope that I think it's going to force me to really learn a lot. I think it's going to be a challenge learning these two properties. That's going to be exciting for me. And you know, it's a challenge that will make me a better hunter. I think if I go about it the right way. So, I want to take that on. I don't want to kind of skimp out easy. I don't want to shoot a one thirty on the second day and just be done with it. I really want to sink my teeth into this and uh, and see what happens. So, that's my goal in Iowa. I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Let's hear it. And it's something that someone like you who, you know, doesn't have access. I mean, even, even I, I get to hunt the same property over and over. This is going to be your first year and you're going to be, you know, coming, coming to Iowa, you know, quote unquote, land of the giants. You're going to be on a, from what you've already explained to me, a decent farm, which as we all know, you know, you're, it's just a matter of time before you're either trail camera picks it up or you see it from the stand. So do not, by any means start over analyzing and questioning yourself on what your moves should be. You got to be, a, and this is what, how I'm going to play my cards this year. I'm going to be as aggressive as possible, as aggressive as possible in the safest way, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not going to be stupid about my decision-making, but you know, I think, and I've heard you talk about it a little bit, you know, on conversations off the air, but I think my problem and sounds like your problem a little bit is too is is maybe letting an opportunity slide by because we were sitting there questioning it instead of going saying i see i saw a a, a hot doe being chased by a three-year-old out of this bedding area well if the, if the doe came out of that bedding area that means another buck's going to come downwind of it and check it i need to be there so instead of sitting back another day and watching it happen you go do it yeah, I think uh, I think you're spot on. I'm definitely going to be more aggressive this year too. And uh, but the, you know, to your point a second ago about not overanalyzing things, I'll try. But yeah, man, it's it hard. Is, it, it's 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 me. Like I am an overanalyzer. Right. Um. So it's trying to find that balance. Um. But I, I can already tell. Like I'm I'm already obsessing over these maps and like trying to study them to the T and figure and everything that's fine. out. Yeah. That's, in my opinion, that's not overanalyzing. Overanalyzing comes at the moment of truth, at the time of the decision. So it's November 5th. You are 
trying to make a decision on where to hunt, you're, you're sitting there going, well, what about this? Well, what about this? What about this? And I don't think as hunters, we use our gut and our instinct enough, you know, because other predators out in, out there, they don't have Google maps. They don't know what the wind direction is. You know, they kind of, they have to go by their instincts. And I think that that's something humans don't use, use as much and that we hunters need to. Can't argue than that. I think, so, uh, I think it's true. Man. And I think um, this is going to be a conversation that I think we're going to be having for, you know, the next four months or whatever. Once October hits, I'm sure we're going to be going through this. And I'm sure I'm going to have some struggle. I'm sure, guaranteed I'm going to have some days where I'm struggling. I feel like I cannot figure this place out. And then there will be some days probably where I'm going to come on the air and I'll be like, I learned something. Like right. there's going to be some light bulb moments. And there's going to be some days when I probably make the wrong move. And there's going to be some days that maybe I make the right move. Um and I'm, I can guarantee you there's going to be some days I'm going to be pissed and ornery oh, yeah. and stressed. And, but I think in the end, you know, well, it's going to be fun. It wasn't the last episode, but it was the two previous episodes where we talked to, um, was it Mark Drury and uh, Don Kiske, right? Yep. And Drury was all about, hey, pressure systems, weather patterns, all these things. You know, folk, you know, got to got to keep an eye out for the moon phase and all that stuff. And that's great if you can drop what you're doing at, you know, drop everything that you're doing and go hunt. You know, majority of people have jobs and they really can't do that. And, you know, all that stuff is good information to know. And if you're a serious hunter, I, you know, I definitely recommend it. But then you have Don Kiske where he's like, you know temperature and wind direction are the most important things because you obviously don't want to get busted, you know, via wind, but the pressure, the moon phase, you're going to be hunting anyway. So why, why get worked up and worry about it if it's not really going to affect the decision on where you hunt? Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I, I, they definitely have two different takes. I, I personally have a, preferential way of going about it. I lean more towards the jury side of things because um, I, I am picky about when I hunt in certain areas. Like, you know, I'm, I'm more in the camp of being careful about the pressure, about my personal hunting pressure I'm putting on. So I'm, I'm, I like to wait until the right conditions to go into those best spots. So I'm kind of half jury, half kissy, right? And I'm sure Drury's the same right. way in this, you know, when he doesn't have the right weather, just like Don, he's still hunting. He just might not be in his best places. But then when he does get those factors that we talked about that become, you know, the, the optimal conditions, then he dives into place X. So that's right. kind of and more what I do. But I think it's interesting. I think the point, at least that I'm taking from what you're saying, is that there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And you don't need to get too worked right. up on it because there's a lot of ways that can work. Right. But what what I guess who I'm who I'm trying to talk to is that guy who has one week vacation or two weeks vacation, you know, and they may not be able to, you know, they're busy during the weekends of October, you know, they, they can't drop what they're doing and go hunt a cold front that's coming on a Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon in mid October. You know what I mean? They, they can't do it. Yeah. They have to wait for the rut to hit. They have, let's say one week or two weeks of vacation. It's really not beneficial for them to, to maybe hunt, uh, a high pressure system if you know if the wind's right but the pressure may be really low you're gonna want to hunt a good stand anyway because it's november 
or just because the moon phase isn't optimal based off the readings, you don't want to really consider that because it's the rut and you're going to be hunting anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. The, the rut trumps all. And when you're limited right. on time, you got to be out there. Right, right. At that Not, point, it's all about but putting I the also time. think, right, and I also think that as hunters, the more information you know, so it, it's good to know these things and have them in the back of your head so when the time's right and you can start seeing patterns and you can go, hey, this there is a high-pressure front coming. The moon phase is optimal for this. I am going to be in this stand at this wind direction. And now all the, all the cards are stacked in your favor. You know, it's good to know that, but it's one of those things that I think all this knowledge, you know, knowledge is power. All these things kind of, it's just another thing to think of when it may not be in your best interest to think about or use that information to make a decision. Yeah, you got to have a filter. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely There's like it. There's my rant. Yeah, that was good. It's a good <laughs> rant. I like it. And I think it's important to have, you know, realistic expectations of how you can use this stuff too and not get too worked up right at the same time by knowing some of these things like in the situation you just described if i know that these things are lining up i'm gonna be hunting hey you know number one it gives you some more confidence and every time you have more confidence in when you're hunting the more confidence you have in a certain hunt in a certain sit the more likely you're gonna be on your a game you're gonna have that little extra edge you're gonna be paying attention just a little bit more and when it comes to hunting mature bucks, that little tiny bit of even added attention can mm-hmm. sometimes make the difference. You know, it's, right. it's the little stuff. Um, I'm so jacked. That, yeah, I'm jacked. I'm freaking jacked right now. Like, I, I could go roll a car over. I want to hunt so bad right now. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go that far, but I do <laughs> I do want another beer, if that counts. Right. <laughs> Intermission. This would be a perfect time for, for the uh, Sitka commercial, or whatever <laughs> commercial you have. This yeah. And now, break. a word from our sponsors. <laughs> And seriously, we're really probably going to put it right here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so as promised, it's now time for a brief message from our sponsors of this podcast, Sitka Gear. And as we've been doing all year, we've got Sitka product category leader Dennis Zuck with us today. And with hunting season quickly approaching and many of us looking to pick up some new gear before hunting, I wanted to get Dennis's recommendation on what Sitka products might be good ones to start with if you're looking to try it out without breaking the bank. So here's Dennis's take. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we all work for a living. I work for a living. And, you know, when I'm looking at that, and I'm just trying to get the most the most out of that, you know, my hard-earned dollar, um, you know, I think the Strata system is a great example for that. You know, it's something that I can, I can add a layer to. I can uh, take a layer away. I can reconfigure it if I need to, not wear the jacket, just wear the pant. You know, I can do a lot with that system in a layering aspect and get a lot out of it. You know, the, the pockets are built so that they're, you know, they're, fairly straightforward a couple chest pockets a couple side pockets it's still got your hunter pass through but um i think that system is something you're gonna you're gonna put on you're gonna experience what good technologies do what good materials do um how much more comfortable i stay in the woods um and you can add to it and you can continue to move it. you can grab that solstice jacket next and throw it underneath and take you later into the season so for me i think the strata system is something that's gonna just help you know that guy bridge the chasm the first time you know and come into sitka are there any accessories that you would say are like the, the, the first ones, like is there a hat or a set of gloves or anything else like that that you would make sure to pick up too if, if I had the money to, to add those on? Yeah, and, you know, so funny, like on the glove side, you know, just kind of for, for the bow hunter guy especially, you know, 
one of my cheapest gloves is my Fanatic glove because it isn't about making the most expensive system. It's about being focused. So I think the Fanatic glove is something that if you're if you're an archery guy, you should absolutely own that glove. You know, it, it looks like that one years ago I cut a couple fingers off of and hunted out of, but, you know, it's a little better than that now. You know, we, we put some good make into it. Um, and then from a hat perspective, the Stratus hat's fantastic, you know, so it matches that system. In fact, there's times that I'll wear that Stratus hat instead of my Fanatic hat, you know. So I think I think those couple of accessories are are, are, are big, you know, if you want to add those pieces to kind of make sure you have the kit, which we talk about all the time. So if you're interested in trying the Stratus jacket, pant or hat, or the Fanatic gloves, visit sitkagear.com. And now, back to the show. Um, so what would be next? Oh, so goals. Goals. We talked about Iowa, my goals. Um, Ohio will be slightly different um, because in Iowa, you know, I'm going to be a little bit picky, but in the end, it's just going to come down to a four-year-old. You know, if it gets to the end of November and it's just not happening and I'm not seeing, you know, this kind of Iowa giant that maybe I've been pining for the last two months, if it comes to later in the year and if I can get a crack at a mature buck, I'll be super happy with that too. And so, so that'll be where that's at with Iowa because it's not easy to go into a new state and new properties and always figure it out. So in Ohio, it's going to be slightly different. Um, again, I'm going to be, you know, having the cutoff at the four-year-old mark. Definitely want to shoot a four-year-old um, or older, but I'm going to be, I think, you know, more buck specific in Ohio. Um, now, right now, I don't know for sure who may, who's back this year because I haven't got to check my Ohio trail cameras, but I'm checking them next weekend. So not next week, but the week after that episode, I'll have an update on my Ohio trail cameras. And that'll make a big difference, obviously, in what my plans are. But, you know, perfect scenario, perfect world. Glenn is back. Junkyard is back. The Beast is back. Um... Any one of those three would be just a phenomenal, life-changing buck to kill because they were all Boone and Crockett caliber bucks last year, um, if not significantly higher. And they were all four-year-olds or older last year. Two of them were five or six. So um, this year they're all going to be five or older. They're all going to be giants. And they're all going to have a pretty significant history on my farm. Glenn, obviously, the most. We've talked about it a lot. Um, But if he's around by... By all means, he's going to be the one I'm after since uh, I missed him twice. I've seen him three years in a row, two years in a row. This would be the third year. I've got hundreds of pictures of him. So really, I'm hopeful that Ohio can be a single buck hunt. I've really come to enjoy learning one buck, developing a relationship, you know, in that hunter-prey kind of way and trying to figure out how to get close enough to get a shot. That would be, you know, a successful season in Ohio by all, by without a doubt would be getting to hunt one of those guys closely and having some close calls and hopefully getting to kill one. That'd be incredible. Um, if they're all gone for some reason this year, then it'll be, you know, I want to shoot a nice four-year-old, 140, 150-inch or bigger because um, I know that property can produce deer like that consistently, that area. So so that's what Ohio looks like. But I'm hopeful, um, even though it's a small property, it's, it's, just in, a, it's in a good location. So um, I know if I'm there enough, I should have a crack at one. So excited. You need to backtrack a bit. Yeah. Because we have, you're going to two others. You're going to Idaho with me on our mule deer hunt. And that's what, like 22 days. Is it that fast? It's that soon. You're picking me up on uh, August 28th. 
How crazy is that? Oh my god! I like, I, I, I don't even know. Like, I have a. I'm looking at this bed behind me, and I have all my stuff. It's, I don't even have everything I need quite yet. Um, but uh, you know, I I got my sick gear. I got my uh, mountain pantry, whatever food i got my game bags i got you know all the stuff the camp the tent the trekking poles all this stuff i got now and i'm just like oh my god it's it's becoming a reality fast and you know i'm trying to watch what i eat i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to you know get my heart rate up every day i'm trying to you know hit the gym as you know as much as i can and i don't know how do you yeah, feel how do you feel about your how do you feel about the hunt are you just excited or are you a little bit nervous or any, what are your emotions about this whole thing coming up? Cause this is brand new for you. Right. I, I mean, this is big, big country and you've seen the maps where we've decided to hunt. And, and, I, I've, and I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. So like <laughs> my, my expectation is I, I don't have an expectation because my goal is to first survive, you know, get to the get up first we got to worry about the road that gets back there everybody says it's fine once we get back there then we have like a mile and a half even if this is what we've decided um a mile and a half hike up that i think there's maybe uh an 800 foot elevation gain throughout where we park our car to where we're camping then there's another um you know like four to six hundred foot elevation gain from our camp to where we're going to start glassing and then you know the area is gigantic and i've never i've never hunted mule deer i don't know really what they do out there uh in the in that high country but man i i'm gonna i'm going balls out and i'm gonna do whatever i can to try to get to try to get one most important most important is to to just absorb that nature and this experience because I've seen the pictures and it is absolutely gorgeous out there. Yeah. It's uh I cannot guarantee that you will be comfortable. Right. I cannot guarantee that you will not be miserable at times. Right. I cannot guarantee you that we'll see deer or that we'll kill deer. Right. But I can guarantee you that by, by the time it's done, you will have had an awesome time and saw right. some incredible things in places. Right. So, well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm okay with being uncomfortable. I mean, that's what this trips. It's about going outside of your comfort zone and doing something different. That's what life is about. And, uh, if I'm uncomfortable, man, I'm uncomfortable. You know, if I can't be Cameron Haynes and, you know, run a 300 pound rock up the side of a mountain, I, I can't <laughs> do that, you know, but, but what I can do is I can go slow and pace myself. Yeah. And make those decisions based off how, you know, and there's no way to tell unless I'm actually up there. Yeah. So. That's the right attitude to have going into it, I think, for sure. All I want to do is just get a ton of pictures that I can have for the rest of my life and be like, this is, here's a picture of my camp. This is my hunting buddy, Mark. This is, you know, the view from day one glassing, you know, and just have those memories to show my kids because. I, I don't know. This is this is kind of off topic, but I hate rotting in a cubicle. And you know, from where you're at, from where you were to where you're at, it, you know, you had your life changing experience. 
this, this is how I have my life changing experiences. You know, I sit and stare at two computer screens all day long about stuff that may or may not interest me, but I don't know. It's just this, this is my dream and it's coming true and, and I just have to absorb it. Yeah. It's good. You're going to, you're going to have a blast. I'm excited. I'm excited for you to get out there and, uh, and I, I can definitely relate. I, I certainly had that same rotting in a cubicle misery for a long time too. And, right. uh, I know how much it, you know, just, I'm sure you do this. I do this all the time. You just sit at your desk, you know, rotting in the fluorescent light, looking at these pictures and looking at maps and just dreaming about being out there and dreaming of doing that stuff the whole time. And just kind of like you obsess over it. Right. Um, and when it finally happens, this is, it's incredible. So it's right. gonna be fun. I, uh, I will say for me, you know, even though I've done, you know, several mountain hunts, even though I lived out there the past two months and we, we just figured out we camped 29 nights. We were in our tent 29 nights over the past two months. We hiked, I think, over 150 miles. And, and there was one other thing we figured out, but now I can't remember what it was. But so we did a lot of stuff out there. Um, I'm even a little intimidated by this country. Right. Um, so I don't, I think I'll probably even be miserable trying to get up to some of this stuff because, right. um, man, even though, you know, like you said, there, we found this road, this little two track that we can take back there a ways into this national forest. And like you said, that's even, you know, iffy. We don't know how far we'll be able to get. Um, but even if we can get all the way as far as we hope we can get, and it's even though at that point it's a relatively short hike into some of these basins, it's, it's not going to be easy hiking, that's for sure. No. And no. I, keep, I keep thinking back to last year when I killed my elk and the hikes in and out with that thing on my back. And I, that has now influenced every decision I make that it, cause I just think about how it felt like there are two meat hooks into my shoulders that someone was pulling down with all their strength for eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours. And, uh, I imagine that happening again. So it'll be, it'll be miserable times, but it'll be awesome. <laughs> right. But it's an experience. And yeah, yeah. you know, it's that, what's that level three on the fun meter. It'll be definitely Two, if not three. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely be living in that gray area between, I imagine. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. So uh, so your first mule deer hunt, and then I'm assuming well, you're, you're... I mean, Nebraska, I, I was out there hunting mule deer, but this is, that's Nebraska. And although the terrain was up and down, up and down, there wasn't the elevation, there wasn't the thin oxygen. Um, this is a Western hunt. You know what I mean? So... I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to read up. I'm trying to prepare myself mentally. Like, you know, if, if you're willing to sit in a, tr in a tree stand for however many hours, you got to be willing to do what, I don't know. It's just like the mountain that you're on doesn't care about you at all. You know, it's there as an obstacle and you have to use your, your mental toughness to beat it. And it, it doesn't get beat very often. You know what I mean? That's the truth. It's going to be, it's going to be an experience and it's going to, uh, we're definitely going to share with all of our listeners, everything that happens, um, on a podcast episode right after that. So, right. uh, keep you, keep your ears tuned in for that. Hopefully it'll be, uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll survive. Hopefully That's there right. will be a podcast after after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, assuming we do survive that and there is a podcast episode after that, I'll be coming home for a week after our mule deer hunt, got a wedding to go to. And then I'm going back out to Idaho with another one of my friends to do our elk hunting trip. 
same place we did the past two years. Uh, so I'm hopeful that maybe I'll be able to repeat. Um, you know, that's unlikely, but I'm going to give it my best. And I figure, I think, I feel like we are, we're learning a lot. We're figuring it out. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. I'm excited about that. And then I come back for a day and then I'm actually going to Oregon for a hunt. Um, and this was kind of unexpected. Um, but my contacts at uh, Lacrosse Boots, you know, our partners there, um, they also own Danner Boots. And they invited me to come out and check out their headquarters in Portland, Oregon, to learn a little bit more about what they're doing with their boots and uh, to do a little hunt with them in eastern Oregon. So I, I couldn't say no to that. So right. that's going to be at the end of September. I'm going to do that, a short trip out there, meet some good people, I'm sure, and have some fun. And then I get back, like opening day, I get back the opener of Ohio's bow season for whitetails. So as soon as I can uh, get away from here, I'll be heading to Ohio and then starting the whole whitetail trade we just talked about. So Nice. nice. And that's when our, our wives kind of have to realize they're number two. <laughs> Don't <laughs> say that. They're number two for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that out loud, Dan. <laughs> well, my wife knows. And, oh. you know she's fine with it right now. And then as that, that two week rut vacation kind of, you know, for you, it's different, you know, no kids, no problems. Right. So for me, that rut vacation starts and it's, Oh, Hey, how'd you do the phone call every night? It's like turns from how you do, how you do. Oh, you saw a buck. Good. Oh, cool. Cool. And then it slowly slides into, you see anything. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> then at, towards the end of that two week vacation, it's when are you coming home? Uh, when are you coming home? They they know when you're coming home, but they don't care. Yeah. When even, are you coming home? <laughs> even even without kids, I still get that right. same thing. Right. <laughs> but I'm I'm yeah. I can't imagine now that you've got two of them. It's going to be even uh, more difficult. I'm sure. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some help from family, but um, you know, I'm gonna have a nice like 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 you already know. I'm having a nice little uh, rut vacation vacation uh for my brother's wedding on november 7th i keep forgetting that jesus christ that's awful i don't want to talk about it because i'll just like my wife's going to be pissed at me because i don't want to leave until for the wedding until friday more friday morning so we can make the rehearsal dinner wedding it's on saturday first thing sunday morning she's going to want to say her goodbyes and take her time getting ready and I'm going to be, let's get the bus rolling. So it's, it's three full days that you're going to miss? I'm going to miss. Uh, my goal is to be back in the stand uh, Sunday evening. Okay. So I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss probably the Friday evening hunt, all day Saturday, the Sunday morning hunt, and hopefully get back into the uh, stand by Sunday evening. Okay. That probably won't happen. But at least I'll be ready for Monday morning for the next, you know, the next uh, week. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Are you going to miss your brother's wedding? Yeah, can't do that. No. Can't so. do that. Well, I uh, I hope that you shoot your buck just after you get back from that because I'll be goal. in Iowa at that point. Oh, yeah, that's right. My goal is to – and I, I, I got a really good feeling about this, this ag field where I'm getting all these big boys. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that since uh, I've been there? Which one is this? I'm this is curious. where um, me and Corey found the match set. So the, it's where the, you see... The very first walk we did, where we walked that 
that yeah. corner of the infield. And that's where there's that little scraggly tree that you sat in last year and you saw that big nine-pointer in October, right? Right, right. So that, that big grass buffer strip that we walked? Yep. Okay, that's not where I'm going to set up. I'm going to set up, there's a little um, terrace with some trees in it, and that's where I'm going to set up. And it's going to be while the crops are still in, and I'm telling you right now, I feel that that, that corn slash bean field in that that area is holds a ton of mature. It's 80 acres, and that strip last year, no, two years ago when it was the same crop rotation, corn on the south end, beans on the north, I walked in there just to check it out, and I bumped like a 170, a 150, and they were all still kind of like in a bachelor group, and then a smaller buck. So this year, same crop situation. I I got this trail camera up now, so I'm starting to see where they're working through the corn, and I got this area where this little narrow pinch comes together, the corn does. They stay in the corn, and I'm going to set my tree stand up there where I'm going to have a shot in this bean field and a shot in actually into the corn field. And uh, if I say my prayers and I get there on the right wind condition, I, I feel that I'm going to have an encounter with a, a big mature buck the first weekend that I can hunt. So here's my question for you. Yeah. Are you going to go in there that first week and you can hunt, you know, if it's a kind of a hot day, you've got a decent wind, but the weather's not great or all the other conditions aren't right. Or are you going to wait because you feel like that, that spot's so good that you're going to wait till a couple of these other things line up. So here's, so here's the, uh, the problem with that area. Crops come out, deer go away. Right. So I have to make sure I know when the comp, the, the farmer's going to combine because when he goes in, he, he's pushing all those deer to the south. And they either have to come loop back around or they, I don't know, they're already out, out of there by then. I just have to make sure that I beat the, the I, I have enough time to get a tree stand up. I think what I'm going to do is put an observation stand back further away from where I want to hunt. Watch these, watch the deer movement, see where they're at, and then, and then make a move in. Because regardless of it of if it's hot or not, they feel so comfortable. I mean, I got daylight pictures already of all those bucks. You know, granted, awesome. granted that that things change. You know what I mean? From the time that uh, from you know August to October, but who knows, man? I, I there's nothing really to do except go in and, and and try it. It's the truth. Because once the crops are out, those bucks are going to go find someplace else which means that's good for me. It just eliminates one gigantic piece of property that I don't need to worry about anymore. All right. So do you only get one tag in Iowa for archery? Is that right? So I can get my archery tag, right? And then if I was a landowner, I can get one, which I'm not, so I can't get that landowner tag. But I can also get a late-season muzzleloader tag, and I can use my bow for that. So okay. I could literally shoot two bucks. It's a primitive weapons tag, so you could – it's a muzzle – they call it a muzzleloader season, but you can use your bow, I'm pretty sure, for that, that late season. Gotcha. Um, so technically, I could shoot a, a buck with my bow, a buck with a muzzleloader, and then a shotgun buck. So you could shoot – I think you can shoot three bucks in Iowa without being a landowner. Nice. And then 
a landowner tag on top of that. But uh, I've never been into, I haven't yet. I'm going to. I don't know when. Muzzle loader. I'm going to give it a shot, I think. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is the first, maybe this year you'll have to make that question because you'll fill your archery tag early. Hey, you never know, man. I tell you what, I'm I'm pumped. And I think have we have we said that enough to people being, out there listening? Can you tell we're excited? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's just like now that I'm sitting here talking to you is when it really starts to bubble up, you know, because I've been so preoccupied with work, with family, you know. I I try to shoot my bow as much as possible, you know, four times a week is is pretty good for me, you know. Uh, ben from Huntera was over what two nights ago, and we shot. Yeah, how'd we that go? Little, it went pretty good. We we had a makeshift. We got a makeshift uh, range in our backyard that goes up to uh, sixty yards. So we were letting them fly at sixty. Then we got into uh, got into the truck and started driving around some public and private land around down where I live, and saw a ton of deer out, tons of does. Um, couple good bucks you know i think the biggest one we saw maybe 145 maybe a four-year-old okay um but saw a lot of good a lot of deer um the county i live in is has high numbers so which is cool can i tell you about my plans today after we get done recording i'm pretty plans today yeah i'm pretty damn excited okay it's gonna be pretty similar to what you and ben did i'm going to eat dinner after this and then i'm gonna shoot my bow on my new targets for a little bit I'm going to drive a four-wheeler out. Well, hopefully the, the four-wheeler's battery's been charging. Hopefully the battery's recharged. I'm going to go out to that property and put new SD cards in those nice. and uh, do a couple maintenance things on them. And then I'm going to do a deer drive here in Michigan, and I'm going to hopefully see some bucks. You're going to you, – a deer drive, meaning you're <laughs> going to – walk through the middle of your timber and bump everything you can. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to get in my truck and I'm going to drive around the roads and hopefully see some deer in the fields. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Cause I haven't got to do that at all. I, well, I did do that in Iowa two nights ago, twice. Um, when I was out there and I saw the first night we saw some good ones. We saw like a one fifty something and then a couple in the one forties. Um, so it was fun. It was fun. It got, got a little bit of good footage. So that was nice to see. Um, but who knows? It's always fun to do it here in Michigan too. And Kylo will come with me and we'll take, you know, take a nice little drive. So I got a question for you. Yeah. Have you, do you have your tree stands already hung in Ohio or do you have to do a tree stand day yet? So I, I've got most of the stands hung. Um, well, I think all of our stands are hung. Um, I do need to put new steps on one of them and I need to trim them. Okay. So when I go there next, next weekend, I'm gonna. Here's the plan for next next weekend. We're gonna leave Friday afternoon once my buddy Corey can get out of work. We're gonna try to get to the property early enough that I can hop out of the truck and sneak in with my camera and set up and try to film this property because uh, this property and the next door have got beans. So right. I'm gonna try to sit out there that night and film and hopefully some of the big boys will come out and feed that night. The next day, well, we're gonna, I'm gonna pull those trail camera cards when I walk out, and the next day I'm gonna spend the day. Trimming tree stands, checking on all of them, make sure the straps are good, make sure they're all set, do all that maintenance stuff, put some new steps up, and then that night we're just going to drive around the neighborhood and uh, hopefully see a couple other good ones too. So that's the plan, but not too much more work that has to be done there. We've got to rearrange the cameras a little bit. I'm going to shift the trail camera locations um, since I won't be coming back at all in September. I want to put them in location to be taking good pictures in September, so I'll start moving them a little bit. 
but nice. that's the game plan. That's nice. I think we. I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but damn it, I'm excited. <laughs> I, oh, I, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. There's a buck that I named for you on one of your properties. I don't know if it was Ohio or Michigan. And oh, yeah. I remember I named him Boner City. <laughs> yes, I do. Whatever uh, happened to Whatever happened to Boner City? Is he out, <laughs> is he out there? You know, when uh, we hadn't ever talked about him on the air before, and I always thought in my head, whenever we talk about him on the air, we'd call him BC. But oh, no. he, <laughs> it's, too, it's too late now. It's Boner it's too, City. It's too late. The cat's out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter. There's no rating on the internet. Oh no! I've, some, I've heard some crazy things on the internet. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> so uh, he disappeared. I got I got pictures of him twice last summer. Who, who disappeared? <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Boulder City disappeared last year. Okay, there you he, go. Uh, he was. <laughs> there goes the sponsors. <laughs> there it all goes. <laughs> you Back got a place. You got, you got a place in your house. I can stay. <laughs> um. I got pictures of him twice, and that was it. Never saw him during the season, no pictures of him, nothing. And I got another really nice 10-pointer last summer, too, one time. But uh, he was gone, too. So, man, it was just like between last year and this year, you know, I've I've, I've moaned about it. Yeah. Things went downhill here. I don't know what happened. But um, for a while there, it's like every year it was getting better. And I felt like, you know, I was having a management impact, I felt, because I was passing on a lot of deer. I'd been talking to my neighbors, and we talked about them passing on more deer. Things had been improving year after year. You know, in 2013, I had like five shooters on the property. One was like a booner. One was in the 140s. Another was in the 130s. A um, couple in the 130s. So it was like looking good. Then last year, it just dis- they disappeared. And now this year, it doesn't look much different. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. You got options, though. I mean, you're not you're not limited to just Michigan. So. I guess be thankful for that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Michigan's a great state. I'm going to have fun hunting does here. And I'm, I'm going to be, you know, when I am home, I'm going to kind of play with it, play with the bucks here a little bit. I'm going to be much more aggressive here because I'm not so concerned. Right. I'm going to try some new things and get kind of crazy with it and just see, you know, if I happen to get a crack at one of these deer, awesome. But if I spook them and bust up the whole place, it's not going to be the end of the world for me here because, um, because like you said, I've got options. So. When are you and the wifey moving to a different state? Man, we talk Dude, about I'm it sure, all the I'm time. I'm sure that conversation has come up. Oh, it happens a lot. The thing is, is that, you know, both me and my wife really enjoy a lot of different kinds of outdoor recreation. She especially, like, you know, we both especially love the mountain stuff. So hiking, backpacking, camping, fly fishing, all that stuff. Everything we're doing this summer, like, we love. Um and Kylie really loves all that and the culture and everything out there. I am the only one who really loves the deer stuff. So I think if we were ever to move, I think it'd be a hard sell to go to purely whitetail land because that wouldn't be so much for her. So right now, though, it's it's just a family thing. We I think still, um, especially her, just not ready to leave the family. So um, I think for the time being, the compromise is just going to be that we're probably going to live in the mountains for a month or something like that every year as long as we've got the flexibility to do it. We're going to travel a lot, and I'm going to hunt as many different places as I can. So for now, I'm just going to put a lot of miles in the truck, but we'll see. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, I don't know about you, but my stomach's grumbling. I think i got to eat some dinner. 
So gonna, uh, should we wrap I'm it up? Go knock on a door after this. Are you? Yep. Were you, were you inspired by my my thirteen door day? Well, c- kind of. I mean, I, I've already knocked on this guy's door three times, and he wasn't home uh, to answer the door. So I, I went turkey hunting on this property this year, and now I'm going to ask permission to whitetail hunt. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's a good tactic, the yep. old turkey first step. It's, I call it the turkey foot in the door <laughs> method. That made, that was dumb. That's, that's, that dumb? that's real dumb, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's not unexpected. Not all unexpected right, at all. Have a good day. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna wrap this thing up so a couple quick updates um before we do that first if you haven't seen on the blog we're doing this new thing on wednesdays on instagram hashtag wired to hunt wednesday it's a little giveaway every wednesday post a picture on your instagram account that's related to hunting make it kind of cool kind of unique and we're gonna take a look at those every wednesday and pick our favorite of that day and send them a free wired hunt decal. So every Wednesday, post your pictures on Instagram and use the hashtag. That's like the number sign if you're not familiar. Hashtag wired to hunt Wednesday. Include that in your little caption, and uh, maybe we'll send you a decal. And the decals are pretty cool. Um, Dan, do you have one yet? A decal? Yeah. No, I do not. All uh, right. I have a T-shirt. Uh, you gave me a hat. That's pretty much all I have. And for a co-host, I feel like <laughs> I should be. I should be wearing. I should be head to toe. I'm wearing. I'm waiting for my wired to hunt Jordans. Well, <laughs> I don't have any Jordans yet, but I'll send you a wired to hunt G string. What do you? What do you <laughs> yes. Yes. Deep I dish, fig- please. I figured that was what you were waiting for. <laughs> All right. I so uh, I can only imagine what my wife would do if I <laughs> walked into the house wearing a G string, being like, "Hey, babe." <laughs> She would probably she'd probably kick me right in the groin. That might be a good way to to uh, get more time away from the house hunting, <laughs> though. If you do that, she might want to want you out of there. Right, right. So, <laughs> wired hunt Wednesdays. <laughs> we'll send you a decal. I'm not going to send you a speedo or any weird underwear. Um, other updates other than the wired hunt Wednesday giveaway. If you haven't left a review for the wired hunt podcast yet. Maybe after this episode and all the weird stuff we've talked about, maybe you do want to go on there and leave some thoughts. Let people know that we were kind of strange. Or maybe if you like the podcast, say that too. But whatever you feel, we would love it and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps a ton, especially as the hunting season comes on. There's going to be lots of people trying to find a good deer hunting podcast. And if you share your thoughts there, they'll be able to figure out if the Wired Hunt podcast is worth spending their time on. So thank you in advance for doing that. Um, let's see other housekeeping things. If you're not subscribed yet, definitely recommend that too. You can use Stitcher on Android. You can use the podcast app. If you use an Apple device, makes things super easy. It'll go right to your phone every time, every Thursday, hopefully, or this week, Friday. Um, and otherwise I think that's it. Just, uh, have to, of course, thank our partners who help, you know, make this podcast possible. We really appreciate their support. Um, they're instrumental in us being able to have a great website and a great podcast and the videos that are going to be coming out this year. All that, you know, it's not free. It takes uh, it takes people that believe in us to give us the the ability to do that. So huge thank you to Sika Gear, to Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Huntera Maps, Ozonics, Carbon Express, Lacrosse Boots, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And if you're enjoying what we're doing, you know, please support those companies too because they make this possible. And Finally, more importantly, everything we've talked about today, 
thank you all for taking the time out of your day, out of your drive, your walk, your gym session, whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening to us, Gab. Thanks for listening to us talk about how excited we are. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everything you guys do. The feedback you give us, the emails, the messages, the tweets um, means a lot. So thanks. And one, one quick extra thing is this is the perfect time of year to start kissing your wife's butt. <laughs> it's a good final tip, Dan. Yep. So sorry for interrupting, but I had to say it because I'm going to go kiss my wife's butt here pretty soon. All right. So on that note, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks for kissing some butt. And, of course, stay Dan, say it for me. I can't. I'm not the host yet. That's your job. I thought you could have done a pretty good job co-hosting with the, the final slogan. But I'll, right, I'll... But wait. I'll t- I'll get my chance when I beat you in the contest. <laughs> we haven't we haven't checked Ohio pictures yet, my friend. Right, but there's still velvet time. There I'll is... say it when the time's right. All right, you hold okay. on to it then. All right, and in the meantime, <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, everybody else out there, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.